0: Al Jazeera
1: Podcast. Please, welcome to the stage, Sam Altman.
0: You could call it an early birthday party. Welcome to our first ever OpenAI Dev Day. Thrilled that you're here, and this energy is awesome. A year ago today, ChatGPT made its public debut to the world. Its parent company, OpenAI, marked it with a developer's day to show how far so that they'd come. T ...can now see,
1: hear, and speak.
0: And more recent, There's a lot. You don't have to clap each time. And more recently, with all these rapid advancements, Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, has been in the spotlight. I think people really have fun with it, and they see the possibility, and they see the ways this can help them, this can inspire them. But behind the scenes... There's another twist in the OpenAI saga. Trouble was brewing over Altman's role and over the future of OpenAI itself.
2: Several staff researchers wrote a letter to the board warning of a powerful artificial intelligence discovery that they said could threaten humanity.
0: So what does this year of ChatGPT tell us about the risks and the benefits of artificial intelligence? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Today, I'm speaking to someone who's been following ChatGPT and OpenAI for a while. Rob Pegrero. Rob, welcome to The Take. Now, your account on X, formerly known as Twitter, has a really great succinct bio, journalist covering slash vexed by computers, gadgets, other things that beep. So how would you introduce yourself to our listeners with a few more words? So
2: I'm a freelance technology journalist. I've been covering this business since 1995, so it it accounts for at least half the gray hairs on my head. (laughs) And so that's been for a bunch of different places. I wrote a technology column for one of the local newspapers, the Washington Post, for 11 years up until 2011. Since then, I've been freelancing for places like uh, USA Today, Fast Company, PC Mag, Yahoo Tech, a long list of characters. So I've, I've seen a bunch of good ideas come and go and, and then get revived as if somebody thought of them for the first time.
0: Rob, what do you think of ChatGPT? It's it's a fascinating thing to
2: play with. And I use the word play advisedly. As people have found out the hard way, you should not count on this to generate original content accurately. You should definitely not count on this to research your legal briefs in a court of law. Bad things can happen. But it can be interesting as a sort of brainstorming tool, as a way to get a quick summary of things. Uh, I think artificial intelligence in general... Things that 20 years ago were computationally expensive, if not just impossible on consumer devices like real-time translation has become a lot easier. But I've certainly seen lots of concerns expressed about what AI, ChatGPT, and other flavors can do to journalism, such as making it easy to have thinly sourced or fake stories that make it hard for people to know what's real. But I've also heard lots of journalists say, this can automate a lot of the really boring parts of my work. And let me do the things that I'm actually good at, which for most of us is not transcribing interviews.
0: Right, right, exactly. So ChatGPT was unveiled to the world on November 30th of last year. It was not a household name back then the way that it might be today. How have you seen that transformation happen?
2: I like to say, I, I knew that AI had gone mainstream when my mother asked if I was concerned about AI.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a key indicator.
2: delete, <laughs> yes. Leading indicator of technology uh, awareness in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Same here.
2: Yeah, it, it's been, and it's been all over these fronts. It's been, people seeing that ChatGPT can hallucinate. I've personally seen, it was actually Google barred, Google's version of ChatGPT, a conversational AI it was worse. When I asked it first, uh, who was Rob Piccarrero, when it had no idea, then I asked it, who wrote the consumer technology column of the Washington Post from 1999, to 2011? Me. And it said I had done that. And it said I had won a bunch of journalism awards I have never even applied for. And oh. then it gave credit for my work when I asked that question a second time to Walt Mossberg, who was the very good technology columnist for the Wall Street Journal, who has actually won a bunch of awards. And yes, ChatGPT is equally infamous for having these just making up stuff. It's it's almost like, you know, if somebody is, is stuck in front of a camera and they feel that they have to have something to say, then <laughs> they'll just mm, open their mm-hmm. mouth and words come out. Mm-hmm. AI, conversational AI, AI can be very much like that.
0: Oh my God, that is a great analogy. And I think the trick is, as you mentioned, it has a nugget of truth in it. So it, it did... It identified that you were that columnist, and yet it also had... It went off the rails, but you could see there were
2: actual train tracks at some point, and it was on.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, And then just so we're all clear, um, Google Bard, which people may not be as familiar with, is using the same base...
2: Same basic technology. People have these large language models. Facebook has one called Llama. Uh, Microsoft has been, uh, you know heavily involved in OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT. They have what was Bing Chat. They have different brands of co-pilot, the AI that's now built into Windows 11 as an option. Everyone is working on this angle. Uh, Amazon just announced a bunch of AI-powered customer service tools. Uh, Apple is trying to make Siri a little smarter with the help of AI.
0: Hmm. Do you think any of that would have been possible without the introduction of... Chat GPT and what open AI brought? I think so, yes.
2: This is a case where, you know, it's sort of like if you rewind, I guess 150 years or whatever it exactly was, lots of inventors around the world and, and countries decided, uh, you know what, steam power would be really useful. And so you had people thinking, how can we use a coal fired engine to drive a train, to power a ship. Uh, The technology was coming around. People were adopting it at the same time. So I definitely don't think that without opening eye, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Mm. This was going to happen at some point. Mm -hmm. This particular company, in part because of all the drama around it, Mm -hmm. has been in the headlines so much.
0: Right. Okay. So that's a good segue. Let's talk about some of the drama. Fast forward a year from that unveiling of ChatGPT and the company behind it, OpenAI, had its first developer conference on November 6th, and it unveiled lots of new features. So now ChatGPT knows information up until April 2023, so it's more up to date. It's not quite current, but more up to date. What else can you tell us about what was unveiled, what these improvements, so to speak, are?
2: Yeah, so they they announced, you know, a new version of ChatGPT adds a bunch of new capabilities. Some of it is allowing it to do things that other AI models can do, like create images, um, obviously, you know, extending it. So you're no longer talking to someone who woke up from, you know, a long sleep in 2021 and doesn't know anything since then, making it more capable. You know, lots of possibilities. Looks like everything's going great for the company. They're they're off to, it's going to be a really good holiday season for OpenAI.
0: But behind the scenes, it appears there were concerns brewing, and it all burst out into the open on November 17th. That's when it was announced that Sam Altman, the CEO, was being forced to step down.
2: Rocking the tech world, the unexpected firing of OpenAI CEO Sam Altman.
0: And that revealed this chain of events that really gave most people who were watching Whiplash... Well, we have the latest in the Shakespearean drama gripping artificial intelligence. Sam Altman is back as CEO of OpenAI. The company says they have reached an agreement after he was suddenly terminated last Friday. Can you walk me through as best as you can that timeline? <laughs> I'll try. What, what, what happened?
2: So there was this completely bizarre Friday news dump announcement on November 17th. You know, right before Thanksgiving, when you think nothing interesting is going to happen, now <laughs> the board said they had removed Altman as CEO, saying he was not consistently candid in his communications about what nobody knows. Hmm. And then a day later, it seemed the board was trying to was reaching for the undo key on this entire move. <laughs> and then for a while, Microsoft was going to hire Sam Altman, and then the entirety of <laughs> staff. Then somehow we had this revolt of everyone working in open AI who said, if, if you don't bring Altman back, we'll quit. Hmm. And you even had people on the board saying, oh, I, I wish I hadn't done that. Did somebody make you do it? What was going on here? Hmm. How do you in a week decide the CEO is toxic? We have to get rid of him. Then decide, nope, bring it back. Then the entire board, most of the board is gone, been replaced and doesn't make me trust the company a whole lot, seeing this sort of amateur hour clown show performance.
0: But there was something else that became public as all of this was playing out beyond the corporate drama. And it gets to the core of what OpenAI is about. That's after the break.
1: On the Inside Story podcast, we ask, why are so many Palestinian women being killed in Israel's war on Gaza? And what can the world do to protect them? Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
0: So, Rob, you mentioned that it doesn't necessarily make you trust the company anymore. And I think that's the key part of why people should care about what happened behind the scenes. We eventually learned that shortly before Sam's ousting, several open AI researchers had warned the board in a letter about an AI discovery that they reportedly said could threaten humanity. Really big words there. Reuters reported that open AI may be working on a project called QSTAR in the search for what is known as artificial general intelligence or a superintelligence model.
1: This is Christo Hu. I'm a tech correspondent at Reuters. My coworkers and I have been following the saga at OpenAI. What we have learned from our reporting last week was that a technological breakthrough happened at OpenAI where researchers have developed this model called QSTAR that can tackle problems like math that previous generations of AI models could not. The breakthrough has raised the concerns among some AI researchers, including its implications for AI safety and the company's pursuit of AGI, Artificial General Intelligence. And this all happened before the board's abrupt firing of a CEO, Sam Altman.
0: A lot of these words are going to go over some of our listeners' head, as they did mine in the research for this episode. So, Rob, break this down for us. What is a super intelligence model and why could it be considered a threat?
2: So what Reuters reported was, you know, not necessarily that they, these people had come up with the version of HAL 9000 from Arthur C. Clarke's Sci-Fi 2001, A Space Odyssey.
1: Open the pod bay doors, HAL.
2: I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What are you talking about? Hal? Something of its own will and determination that, you know, would, would kill astronauts if it thought it was necessary to ensure the safety of the mission, not the hmm. Terminator from the movies. I'll be back. But apparently, Star could do math, mm. which is different because conversational AI, there's not necessarily a right answer to, you know, I'd asked ChatGPT earlier, what are good questions to ask about ChatGPT in a podcast? <laughs> mm-hmm. Basically, the ones you've asked. So, we're all in alignment there. <laughs> but with math, Great. there should be one right answer. And, right. you know, the idea is potentially this could solve math problems that have previously eluded the grasp of people. Mm. So you know will, will opening eyes or some open a product solve a previously unsolvable math equation like uh, Fermat's last equation who knows mm. but there's this weird mysterious discussion that we think we might have invented something that could end humanity. Mm. Well then I think maybe you should be more public about it because this is not the first time.
0: Sam Altman spoke generally about the risks of AI during his testimony to a U.S. Senate committee hearing back in May. My worst fears are that we cause significant— we, the field, the technology, the industry— cause significant harm to the world.
2: If it's so dangerous, then maybe you should drop a dime to somebody and give us a little more detail. Reuters didn't even get the memo itself that uh, was circulated. So we just know that there's this thing called Q Star, which by the way is a terrible code mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. If you remember watching Star Trek The Next Generation, Q was this hyper-intelligent <laughs> alien being who was not That's really right. a fan of humanity.
0: Right. Huh. Does this worry you? Is this is is are you ever worried in your reporting of this that what has been created could threaten humanity?
2: I worry about AI, but not in that sense. Hmm. Because what we've seen already is You know, yes, AI can make it really easy to seed fake stuff into the world, fake images, fake audio. It's now quite feasible to clone somebody's voice and have them say things they never had. Yep. But the thing is, you don't even need that good of an AI.
0: Yeah. Mm.
2: So the AI, Fred, it's already here, and it's not so much the capability of the AI, but the the incapability of the human looking at the output of the AI mm. or just a good image editing app.
0: So, Rob, all of this is coming as we as a society are adopting AI at a really rapid pace. You wrote an article on its spread from the tech world to corporate America, reporting on a study from the global consulting firm McKinsey that revealed two thirds of organizations that they surveyed are investing in AI. Really no surprise. My own organization, we are also investing in AI and trying to develop tools based on this ChatGPT model that might help our work. Now, US President Joe Biden has issued an executive order on artificial intelligence saying that AI is driving change at warp speed. One
2: thing is clear. To realize the promise of AI and avoid the risk, we need to govern this technology. Not And uh, there's no other way around it, in my view. It
0: must be governed. So when you put all of these pieces together, you've been covering this wild year. How much regulation do you think AI needs and what guardrails need to exist before we move forward? So...
2: Yeah, there isn't a whole lot of agreement on that. Um, The Biden executive order, because it's an executive order, it doesn't have the force of law. But one thing I've seen this White House be pretty good at is hiring people who do know how to use whatever levers they have available in the executive branch. This is also good because, as we've seen, Congress is not great at passing tech policy bills. Mm. So this is probably the best thing we're going to get. On the other side of the Atlantic, the European Union has the AI Act, which is a much more sweeping piece of legislation. I think a lot of it is going to depend on what sort of things people decide to adopt and use, uh, the companies behind it, You know, what sort of responsibility they are going to try to take.
0: Hmm. Rob, finally, when you look back at all that you've reported over this year, what are you telling your mom? What are you answering her when she asks?
2: I would say, don't worry about it that much. I think it has lots of interesting possibilities and potential, like there's so much good and productive use being made of AI. In that piece about the McKinsey survey, I noted for instance that uh, Planet, an earth imagery company is making really good use of AI systems to analyze the enormous amount of data flowing from all these CubeSats they have Floating around the world mm-hmm. To do things like Track climate change And the progress Of energy efficiency uh, Environmental pollution Deforestation Things that are really hard For human eyeballs And human brains To get a handle on mm-hmm. So I think there's A lot of great potential What you gotta watch out for Is when you have These companies Saying yeah, We know what we're doing Just just let us innovate don't, don't get in the way of that So watch
0: Don't panic I like that I like that. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was a really accessible one. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Sari Al Khalili and Amy Walters, with Faranisa Campana, Zena Bazar, Nagin Oliayi, Khalid Sultan, David Enders, Miranda Lynn, Chloe Kay Lee, Ashish Malhotra, Sonia Bagat, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Alexandra Locke is the takes executive producer and Nay
1: Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back